We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Yeah, I just went out there and did what Swaggy P do. <laughs> Teammates played great, and we uh, came out with the victory, you know? I'm just trying to really get my, my NBA 2K rating up. You know, it's 12.02 right now. If they want to fire me at 12.05, I'll go home and find something to do. I'll have a good day. Welcome to the Roadwire NBA podcast presented by FanDuel. I'm Nick Whalen here with James Anderson. James, last time you were on this podcast, I don't think we were sponsored by FanDuel, so I can see your face right now. You're understandably caught off guard uh, by the new sponsorship. Uh, but you took a couple weeks off from the pod, a sabbatical, I guess it's fair to say. I think a sabbatical is a little longer than that. I don't know. Is there is there like a certain point at which you're gone that it goes from like a break to a sabbatical? I think like a sabbatical is typically like at least a half a year. I am Googling the definition of sabbatical. We are 37 seconds into the podcast, and I think this is exactly how we thought this would start. <laughs> it is a period of paid leave granted to a university teacher or other worker for study or travel, traditionally one year for every seven years served. Rotowire does not hand out sabbaticals. Yeah, you're also not a university teacher or other worker. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely not a sabbatical. I think we can rule that out. But either way, you're back. Um, you spent a lot of the last couple of weeks kind of gearing up for baseball, Baseball officially started last night, right? Yeah, this morning even. Yeah, I was getting all these emails that were kind of sent to our entire office about MLB lineups, things that I haven't had to think about for a long time. Um, But if you're a baseball guy, definitely read all of James' prospect stuff on the website. Um, I feel like we have more baseball content than ever, I think, this year between what you and Clay have been able to churn out. Yeah, that might be that might be true. Uh, we t- we always we always have a lot. Uh, it might also not be true. It's good. <laughs> uh, check it out if you're a baseball uh, fan. But yeah, I, I uh, requested to come back on the yeah. show. I just miss being on this podcast so much. I'm I'm happy to be back. Well, that was that was a, a nice upsell for our baseball content. <laughs> uh, anyway, it is Wednesday, March 20th. Typically, we would record on Thursdays, of course. Um, but I was really glad that, like you said, you hit me up wanting to do this podcast a day early. Uh, which is great because I did not want to take like two hours tomorrow away from the NCAA tournament to do this. Um, so being able to do this on March 20th means that we're doing it on the Brock Ness monster, John Brockman, 
uh, ex-King, ex-Buck, ex-Washington Husky. Uh, it's his 32nd birthday today. He was the 38th pick in the 2009 NBA draft, uh, better known as the B.J. Mullins draft. Uh, my question to you, James, can you name the five leading scorers from the 2009 NBA draft? Can I For more context, pull it's it also up? The, uh, <laughs> no, well, you can pull it up, but you can't pull up the... Right, I just need to have the draft in front of me. Um, this was the Thabit draft. 2009 draft. So 10 years ago. Um, this is, I mean, riveting yep. production uh, content, Correct. as always. Um, all right, so Blake Griffin, how many did you want? Five. He's Five. number four. I'm talking uh, total points. Yep. James Harden, Steph Curry. Yep, one, two. DeMar DeRozan. Three. So just got to get number five. Make it's not sure, Brandon Jennings. Make sure I'm not – well, okay. You just you just eliminated Free space. a guy I probably wasn't going to guess, but okay. – um, It's also not B.J. Mullins. Right, right. Hmm. I just want to make sure I'm not missing anyone further on the draft. Uh, is it Chase Budinger? No, it's not Chase Budinger. Um, I'll, pu- I'll put the laugh track in there for that <laughs> one. <laughs> uh, I guess by process of elimination – I am going to say it is Drew Holiday. Correct. Right. Five for five. Well done. All, fi- all five of those players have top 10,000 career points. No one else uh, has reached that milestone. But next season, Tyreek Evans will likely join them, um, assuming he doesn't fall off the face of the earth. Anyway, NCAA tournament. Um, you and I are not really qualified, I don't think. I don't want to speak for you, but me personally – to to offer like ncaa tournament picks or anything like that uh but it i mean is, we're just as qualified as a lot of people that are doing it but <laughs> a lot of people on tv at least yes um but we can talk about it from an nba draft perspective we'll get some more nba stuff um later on but i did want to ask you right away we, i don't think we actually did this this year but typically at the beginning of the college mm-hmm. season we would choose our our my guys mm-hmm. you know just guys whether they're actually good players whether they're nba prospects or not just guys that you really like um, and since we never did that, now that the tournament kind of gives us an opportunity, who are who are some of your guys for the 2019 NCAA tournament? Uh, Kobe White, UNC, uh, yeah. go, go Heels. Um, see, the problem is, like, I feel like my guys, just my knowledge of the player pool is uh, it gets a little smaller, like, every year. And so my guys keep getting better every year because – I don't know those like fringe guys. Right. That actually is a good point. Um, but uh, nevertheless, <laughs> I uh, I like both the Tennessee guys. Okay. Um, I like pretty much all the Gonzaga guys. Okay. So now we're just doing like entire <laughs> rosters. <laughs> yeah, there are there are definitely. <laughs> I really like Zion Williamson at Duke, the Williamson <laughs> I kid. Like, like, I like John Morant. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, I, Terrence Mann is Terrence Mann's like a bad enough, typically yeah. like my guy type of okay. caliber of player. Kobe White, I think, or at least I hope we'll talk about him a little bit later. But of um, yeah, I don't know who. It, let me let me turn the question back around on you. I'm sure you have. Oh, I wasn't prepared for this. I'm sure, I'm sure you have at least uh, four or five uh, solid answers to this. I mean, I the point that you made that you know, not following college basketball closely enough to know like the eighth man on Wichita state who would typically be, you know, one of those guys like a Marcus McDuffie, uh, so to speak, um, rings true for me as well. So, I mean, Kobe white, I do think though, like Kobe white, you know, putting myself in like seventh grade me's shoes when I was like really into college basketball, like he would have made the list either way. Right. So I don't, I don't feel bad about that one. Uh, Admiral Schofield for sure. Yep. I'm not Schofield. a Grant Williams guy. It reminds me too much of Sean May. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just a little too burly. Well, I, I like I like a burly college player, but sure. uh, I mean Admiral Schofield for sure. Like okay. he would have been young me would have loved Admiral Schofield mm-hmm. as much as as old me. Brozdakis at Michigan. Yep, I like uh, Jordan Murphy at Minnesota. As much as it pains me to say that, eighth mm-hmm. year senior, mm-hmm. um, one of the, one of the all time rebounders in Big Ten <laughs> history. Uh, just that's, a great, that's that's high praise. A great solid. Been a lot of been a lot of good rebounders over yeah. the years at the Big Ten. Uh, and then the other guy that comes to mind is Nas Reed. He, everything about him screams like fifty year senior, um, but he's actually like eighteen and was a big time you know prep prospect. We'll, we'll maybe get into him a little bit when we talk about NBA. Um, putting together a really nice year for LSU. Not exactly the type of guy you look at as a potential first round pick. 
Um, but we'll get into that um, in a little bit. Who are your, who are your like all time my guys? I think you have like a few more years before I really got into college basketball. Like you, you've named names before that I have only like vaguely heard of. Uh, well, I mean, there's probably over ten Arizona players who would sure. be uh, my guys. Um, some guys like some UNC guys like Joe Forte. Yeah. Uh, you know, I liked those UConn teams uh, like way back in the day. Like uh, you know, once once it became like the Emeka Okafor UConn program, like I was kind of a little little out on that team. But like the Khalid Alamin, Rip Hamilton teams, I love those teams. Um, man like Lonnie Baxter like the the fat like I love fat like <laughs> six foot nine centers that Corliss can, they can put a uh, college basketball team on their back and I love fat like five foot ten point guards that can put mm-hmm. a, a college team on their back so okay. uh, both ends of that spectrum yeah I mean LeVance Fields I think certainly sure. fits that he sure. was kind of one of my all-timers anybody who wore a t-shirt under the jersey that they clearly cut themselves mm-hmm. you know you can't buy a t-shirt that was cut like the one that LeVance Fields had like kind of went over the shoulder you know not even not really a cutoff not really a t-shirt that was kind of the hallmark of any fat point guard uh Salim Stoudemire I mean he's been talked about yeah. on this podcast before I mean the free space of all free spaces AC Law D Brown Rashad McCants I'm not a D Brown guy what no they I hate everyone from that Illinois team Okay, uh, why? <laughs> because they that was like my wasn't least favorite. Their head guy. That Who was wasn't? my least favorite. The, the comeback win that that I Illinois know. team had against Arizona was like my least favorite college hoops game <laughs> of all time. Uh, slightly ahead of the uh, Aaron Gordon of mm. Wisconsin game um, from a few years back. Back to back games. Those Wisconsin Arizona oh, Elite Eight man. games. Yeah, don't get me started. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also had Jason Maxiel and Hakeem Warwick on my list. The, the running theme really is no success at the pro level whatsoever. <laughs> you know, like yes. Jason Maxiel of all those guys is probably the best NBA player uh, of the seven I named. Uh, but it, yeah, you hinted at. Um, are, are you more tied to Arizona or Minnesota when it comes to the tournament? Air, air, uh, Arizona. Okay. Um, sure. I don't even know of any minnesota tournament <laughs> runs that would have me tie. i mean that would be a fair question to what if you said are you more arizona or minnesota when it comes to college basketball yeah. but when you say when it comes to the okay, tournament well, it's like well sure uh, i mean yeah well <laughs> I, I like te- i like teams that win games in the tournament <laughs> um i was a little surprised to see you in the office today. i kind of figured you'd be in des moines with the gophers getting oh, ready for yeah. tomorrow yep. uh, so I'm, badgers I'm are out driving down after the show so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's not really a flyable destination. Uh, but on a, on a slightly more serious note, you did a uh, college basketball NCAA tournament player draft, uh, yeah, sure. which I believe somewhat aired live on the radio. Oh, yeah. Riveting radio, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but you've done this the last few years. I, I think I did it two or three years ago. Haven't been invited back um, for unknown reasons. <laughs> Uh, but how did that go? Uh, you can kind of run through oh, your yeah. roster. You can kind of maybe give some of the top picks. And you yeah. know, I think for the most part, it'll it'll kind of make sense. You know, actually, a guy who would have been a my guy uh, would have been Cassius Winston, probably. Oh, I, no. I know that I know that you're not about that at all. Not, but he's I, not fat. I, I, no, but I he's I just I, I like uh, I like his game like as just kind of a college only type of game. Yeah, right. Um, it, it definitely screams not playing in the NBA. <laughs> right. Unless for whatever reason the Spurs see something they like and all of a sudden he turns into their seventh <laughs> man but um yeah I took uh Rui Hachimura with my f- first pick which was the fourth overall pick okay. he went behind Zion Williamson RJ Barrett and Grant Williams uh I then took Kobe White in the second round I took Carson Edwards go Boilermakers in the third round um just really kind of going for quality over quantity in terms of games with uh, Edwards there. I, right. And I, we should say, I mean, there is the element of, you know, when you're when that player's team is out, you obviously lose them for the tournament. So right. you do have to take team success into account. Where did Morant go? I took him in the fourth round, okay. uh, which would have been like pick, um, I don't know, like pick 30, pick 32, something like sure. that. Uh, and that's, you know. I, th- I think the Murray State could feasibly make a Sweet 16. I think Purdue could feasibly make an Elite Eight. So, like, there's a little bit of upside, but at least I know the games they do play. I should be getting a ton of stuff. Then I took uh, – then I kind of started trending towards NBA players. I took Ethan Happ uh, in the fifth round. Um, 
I, uh, that was really uncalled for. <laughs> I took uh, Na- I did take Nas Reed in the sixth round. Uh, I took some guys that I don't know anything about from teams that I have going far, and uh, such as Jared Harper, Auburn, ah, of course, Mar- Mario Shyock, Iowa State. Uh, you could tell me anything about those two guys, and I'd believe you. Uh, Talon Horton Tucker from Iowa State, and uh, Is that three people. No gel Eastern from Purdue. So the last four guys, I literally know <laughs> nothing other than that they play for certain schools that I have going far, and oh, that's that's all I can tell you. It was very clear by the way those names were pronounced. I think that, uh, <laughs> that it was a little unsure as to what, what's all about those guys. Um, yeah, well, that'll be really interesting. Uh, I wrote up an article for the site uh, yesterday. Uh, it's still up, believe it or not. You can read it on rotowire.com. Um, just kind of breaking down. It's called uh, Your Guide to the Top Prospects, uh, Top NBA Prospects in the NCAA Tournament. Um, went a little bit beyond that. Basically covered you know most guys um, who could get drafted in the first round and, and then named a few who might be second rounders. Um, but I, I know you read that probably four or five times, you know, end to end today. You went a little too deep for my liking. Uh, I have a tendency to do that. <laughs> I, there are just certain guys I'm like, well, if, you know, if I write up Taco Fall, then I got to write up Nas Reed. And if I write up Nas Reed, then I got to, you know, I got to write up other guys in that range. But it came in at under 3,000 words. I was fine with that. Yeah. But if you had only, if you'd written about like 20 fewer guys, you could have included YouTube, uh, highlight reels for all of the guys, which well, you're going think... to watch all those. I, I mean, I'd love to. I guess I'd, this might be your introduction. To I would have loved guys. to have had a YouTube video of Nikhil Alexander-Walker. That I, I could have put it in. I didn't want to overwhelm people with videos. Okay. All right. um, you also you somehow included a Bruno Fernando video, which, like, who, yes. who cares? Who cares? <laughs> NBA teams care. Um, well, was there anyone who, who jumped out to you that you wanted to talk about? I mean, we can, we can hit on Zion and Barrett. Everyone seems to know about that. Um, I kind of – so I kind of – really like the the west region just at just kind of the guys up top uh like i think john morant and Jarrett culver being in there is is great you know i mean those guys both are gonna go really high and then i think the uh two guys from gonzaga both could they kind of fit the mold of guys that could help themselves in the tournament um i do have one guy uh that i think is going to help himself the most in this tournament from a draft perspective do you have a a guy that kind of stands out to you like kind of like um the way like Shea Gilgis Alexander did right. sort of down the stretch last year um I mean I, t- I wrote down a few guys I, I think Kobe White's probably the most obvious yep. Yep. uh and he's I mean he's kind of played his way he's already done that throughout the season um but I think you know as we've seen year after year like Shea was a really good example you can kind of you can make up more ground in the in a matter of like two or three tournament games than you can in 20 regular season games and I think Kobe White is the type of guy who, if North Carolina makes it to the Elite Eight, if they make it to the Final Four, uh, could go from, you know, what, a month ago we were looking at him in like the 18 to 25 range. He could kind of creep his way into the late lottery, kind of right where, where Gilgis Alexander ended up going. Like, I, I don't know if there's anything that he could feasibly do in this tournament outside of averaging, you know, 30 and 10 a game uh, to work his way really into that like top seven or no. eight um it's just kind of like solidifying that right like you're going to be invited to the green room you're going in the lottery that yeah. type of thing well and he was someone too that even two months ago and eh, maybe probably closer to three months ago we didn't even know if he'd be a one and done i mean coming into mm. north carolina i think well he they the, probably didn't no. think he would be i don't uh, think they wanted him to be, right no. No. <laughs> i mean they, they certainly didn't want him to be but he was, he was too good to keep off the floor i mean he's kind of been the opposite story of Nas Little, where, you know, Little, I think, finished second or third ranked in the class, and Kobe White was 25th, according to 24-7, and, I mean, we'll talk about Little in a little bit. He's he's someone I had on my list who could improve his stock. You know, I think he, teams want to believe in him so badly, and you often see, like, a guy with his pedigree can only fall so far. You know, like he's he's objectively been a major disappointment in basically all phases of the game, other than, you know, looking like a five-star athlete. You know, he's, he's had a ton of like really impressive rebounds and put back dunks and things like that. But he hasn't really done the other little things that you'd expect um, from, from a top prospect, but he's the type of guy that if for whatever reason, after 30 plus games figures it out and puts up 25 in a, you know, a big elite eight win, you know, all of a sudden his, he's a guy who might be in the conversation again in the top five to seven, whereas it looks like now he's looking at probably mid to late lottery. So do you think, 
do, I mean, there's there's really no arguing with the fact that guys, like you said, can really help themselves in the tournament, at least just based on recent track record uh, of how the draft is shaken out and where draft boards are supposedly at right now. Um, but do you think the tournament play should have that? Sh- or you, you should be capable of, like, I mean, should the tournament – count as much as like 10 games in january counted or i no i don't think so uh i I just it's kind of inevitable right right i think if you're you know if you're a a scout or a gm you're probably telling yourself don't weigh one game more than a 30 game sample that we have of this guy but you see over and over like i think in theory to me it's easier when you hear about picks being influenced by an owner or someone who's not a scout who's not watching every game they're probably only tuning in for maybe three or four regular season games but if a guy has an incredible four-game run, you know that might become, you know, a faction of the organization's guy, and they're basing it only off of that run. They're maybe willing to ignore some of the shortcomings earlier in the year. Uh, I think it's just inevitable, you know. And and you have to kind of compare it, I think, to like the pre-one and done era, where you're drafting guys based on absolutely nothing but high school tape. You're looking at Travis Outlaw dunking on a bunch of six-two guys in Mississippi, and just saying, let's take that guy, like. You know, it's it's not a perfect system, but I, I think to me, at least you're going off of some sort of higher level of competition, and I, I think that's what the tournament is. Well, and I think there are, you know, just specifically with Gonzaga, and maybe to like a lesser degree with with uh, John Morant, like you're getting like you actually maybe should weigh this more than what like just based on the quality of competition, yes. right? With like with For like Morant, Ru- yeah, with like Rui you know, the Duke game and then whatever he does in the tournament are going to be the most watched games of tape on him by like people in front offices because like he should be able to dominate in the WCC. Like, but you know, Rui, if if he were to, or even Brandon Clark, like if both these guys just look awesome and Gonzaga wins the title and they once again, really hold their own against Duke, then I think that that really, um solidifies them as as lottery picks and uh with with morant like i mean i don't really know what he could do to fall out of the top three but he could maybe firmly entrench himself as the favorite to go two with a really impressive sweet Mm -hmm. 16 run yeah i think any mid-major guy you really you really don't have much ground to lose. Gonzaga is almost kind of a different situation just because even though they are mid-major in conference, you know, I don't think they're really thought of that way. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I guess you could make the case for Morant where if he goes out against Marquette and, you know, puts up 30 points, but he's 11 of 33 from the field and has eight turnovers and is, you know, kind of out of control trying to do too much, there will be people that say, well, this is what would happen all the time if he played against this competition. So it's... I mean, it's risk reward, but ultimately the sample I think is too small to draw any any major conclusions. Um, how badly do you want Murray State to beat Marquette? I feel like everyone who's not a Marquette fan is rooting for Murray State, right? I this tournament like becomes exponentially more fun with each game mm-hmm. that Murray State wins. Yes. to me, like as someone who just comes at this, like I'll fill out a bracket, just whatever, to have some reason to care about who wins these games Mm -hmm. but i like mostly just want to see the pro prospects and and putting the potential number two overall pick on a 12 seed and having them go on a run is really just the dream scenario if you're just looking at this from an nba standpoint Mm -hmm. i mean i wrote in that article like this he's the most exciting and most well-known um mid-major player since steph curry right i I couldn't really think of anyone i had yeah, I didn't, I didn't like comb through every roster, yeah, but no, it really um, is not all yeah. that close, right? And I guess if you want to count like some players from Memphis, you know, when they were technically a no. mid-major, I, no. but like in terms <laughs> of like true small school players, right? Yeah, I think that's actually that's that's got to be right. I mean, right. I don't know who else it could have been. Yeah, and you think back, um, you know, two thousand eight, that run that Davidson had, you know, beating who I think they beat Gonzaga and then Georgetown and then of course Wisconsin. Were they a ten seed? Um, I'm I'm, trying to look that up as we speak. They they were 27 and six that year. Uh, they were a 10. Yeah. Yeah. So they beat, they beat seven seed Gonzaga, um, and then ended up losing to Kansas, um, in the elite eight, but like, that's the type of run. Right. And that's the type of run where 
you know, maybe it's easier for a prospect like Steph Curry to carry a team with his shooting than mm. it is for – but, like, I mean, he – okay, so if you were just saying let's rank all the players in this tournament just based on their potential to, like, carry a team on their back, I mean, he's he might be number one. In the NBA or no, just like, this tournament? just, like, in this tournament yeah. to carry I mean, partially out of necessity team. for him, but yeah. Right, like, he – I don't think any game that Murray State wins in this tournament should be considered like a shocking surprise because he's just that good right. and that like there's going to be teams obviously game planning to try to stop him but mm-hmm. uh you know I think he's a pretty willing passer like if I were his advisor/agent I would just say like the best thing you can do for your NBA stock is to make the right play yes. as much as possible and not try mm-hmm. to force it. Like obviously take over when you can take over, but if they are, you know, doubling you like find your teammates and like NBA scouts will like that more than if you just try to play hero ball. Mm-hmm. And as long as he does that and, and he's like drawing all the defense to him, I think that they could they could go pretty far. Yeah, I think this is the biggest chance for him to like to legitimize himself for the casual fan, if that and, makes sense. Like and, there are probably still skeptics out there. We need to have at least one, you know, even if they lost to Marquette, which would just be a doomsday scenario, uh, <laughs> we need to at least have one, like, he put someone on a poster yes. type of highlight plays that we can see on TVs at the bar for, for the rest of the weekend. Right. Exactly. And I, I think we will, we'll get something. Like, he's going to go down, you know, I was talking to the guys out there earlier. Like, one, I said, if I'm really glad that, you know, Wisconsin and Marquette are both fives. I'm really glad that Marquette got Murray State because if Wisconsin got that matchup, oh, I would I would legitimately be rooting for Murray State. I really think I would. Right. This Wisconsin team's not going to the Final Four, so I would just kind of have to switch over. Uh, but luckily, I can root against Marquette and root for Murray State. No conflict of interest. Um, but he's going to go down swinging no matter what. Like I don't, I cannot imagine a scenario in which Marquette wins this game and John Morant takes fewer than like 25 shots. Yeah, and I could all like I said earlier, I could imagine a scenario where Marquette wins and he kind of shoots them out of it in some ways. Or how many attempted dunks in traffic will he average per game? Three. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Three. Yeah, that's what I. That's what we need to have happen. Yeah. I just need at least like one per half where it's a high degree difficulty mm-hmm. in traffic and he tries to throw it down anyway. I think they can beat Marquette. Marcus Howard's a little banged up. He's had a wrist issue. Marquette had a disastrous close. I mean, they were set up for what looked like you know a few weeks ago maybe a two and then probably a three and then they were almost locked into a four and then lost two more games at the end of their conference season and ended up with a five the only thing is they probably would get whoever the winner of that game is probably getting four seed florida state in the next round uh with your guy terrence Mann. i think murray state would would have a lot of trouble because florida state is like the longest team in the country and you hear from i mean i think i forget which coach it was uh some mid-major coach said the other day like the biggest difference isn't necessarily guard play or shooting, you know, between a, a good mid major and a, and a high major. It's just like the amount of size that you have mm-hmm. at the center and power forward spots. And Murray State does not have the big men to match up with Florida State. Yeah, but they uh, they, they would have Morant. they would have the best player. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I that that would be at least a fun game. Like I I don't I maybe I'm just blinded by the fact that I want them to go really far, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That that is tough that they it's have to be play fun. Florida State. I think that's tomorrow at three forty-five ish Central, so should be uh, prime time. I think that's like one of the last afternoon games before they switch over to the night slate. All right, let's take a quick break so I can tell you about the presenting sponsor of this podcast, FanDuel.com. The NBA regular season is nearing its end, but that does not mean your fantasy basketball season is coming to a close. FanDuel is offering the most exciting ways to play fantasy basketball, no matter what you're looking for. FanDuel is something for everyone. Tons of different contests and formats to choose from, starting at just $0.25 to enter. All you have to do is pick a contest, choose your team, and enjoy watching your results in real time. James, I know you and I both play on FanDuel. Really good way to stay engaged with every single NBA game every single night. And I know you'll be back on that uh, when baseball season starts. Myself, probably not so much. Uh, Either way, though, play against your friends for bragging rights, or you can play against the public for millions of dollars in cash prizes. To take advantage of our special offer for new FanDuel users, sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. That's FanDuel.com slash RW. That'll get you a free six-month Rotowire subscription with your first deposit on FanDuel, and you'll have access to everything we offer on Rotowire.com. Every sport, all of our DFS content, 
all the articles that Clay and James and our other baseball guys have been putting out there with opening day coming up. And you get all that with a FanDuel deposit. Again, all you have to do is just visit FanDuel.com slash RW. Offers for new FanDuel users only. Void where prohibited. A couple other guys I had on my list. Um, you know, guys who could kind of either rise or fall based on how they play. Nas Little, who we touched on a little bit. Like I said, I, I think he's one or two really good games away from being right back in the discussion in the top five or six. You know, if he continues as he's been going, which is probably the more likely scenario you know he's he's probably locked in still in like the late lottery at some point yeah i think there there gets a point where you just say like whatever like this guy's just got too much upside and the rest of these guys you know especially in a draft like this where you you know we're not looking at you know a situation where you have a guy like dennis smith who you could get at eight or nine you know like a a pretty big time prospect like once you get out of the top three you know I, i would i think teams will be willing to chance it on a guy like nas reed before they would on you know like would you still take him even though he's been disappointing over someone like a jante porter you know who's who's an older player and is coming off an injury like you start there are a lot of guys with question marks i guess when you get outside of the top three and four i want to so who if just right now kind of guessing how the tournament goes who do you think goes higher in the draft uh out of kobe white and nas little (sighs) i i I feel like if you were handicapping this, White would be the favorite, or uh, Little would be the favorite, right? By uh, he's kind of the incumbent. But I is it is it kind of a thing where like if Kobe White has the type of tournament that you and I sort of hope he has, mm-hmm. he probably passes Little. But if he just kind of yeah has like a okay couple games and then like a bad game and a good game, yeah. then then maybe Little. I don't, I don't even know that. He, that he has to like be the catalyst for North Carolina, but if they make the final four and he's obviously starting every game and playing big minutes and has maybe one really good game in there, like that, that alone might be enough. But if they fizzle out and get upset in like round two or three, you know, then I think it probably goes back a little. Do you buy that Kobe white is six foot five or is that a hair is the hair he looks closer to six, four, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I was going to say like six, three, six, four. Like I, I think the yeah. hair makes him look, tall like even with the hair i'm just like yeah. six, six five like, he looks like he's six five with the hair like six five is like right pretty tall for a point guard well think like, of how big like <laughs> carter williams i mean i hate to hate to bring his name up although he is back in the nba now um yeah, i saw that like think he's six six so one inch difference but like he looked very right. very tall especially right. at syracuse like he was tower it was very noticeable that he's a big point guard and like i i agree with you like i was very surprised to learn you know when you're watching the first or second unc game of the year when they say he's six five like i i, I think we'll because we'll that that, that really matters for like yes you know if, if he's six five and he measures six five at the combine or like a little yep. under six five and he has a good tournament like he could go in the top oh, yeah. ten no for sure uh, Tyler Harrow is on my list um, I mean not a guy that I ever would have expected to even be talking about as a draft prospect he's he's kind of reminds me of this year's Divincenzo you know for somewhat obvious reasons and in, in certain respects. But he can only climb so high. I mean, his his ceiling you is know, he that a, athletic? He's not that athletic, but he's he's pretty athletic. I mean, he's he's struggled on defense. Um, he's a little bit slighter, I think, than Divincenzo. I mean, he's a, he's a true freshman. Divincenzo obviously had a little mm. bit more seasoning at the college level. Um, but you know, PJ Washington's banged up for Kentucky. Tyler Harrow's had some big big games over the last couple of months. Like if he has a 30 plus point game and he hits like seven threes and Kentucky goes to the elite eight. I, I think he's a guy who could like right now he's very much on the border. I think in terms of stay or leave, like if he, if he stays, he goes into next year as probably a preseason first or second team all American. If he leaves, you know, he risks, you know, maybe sliding to the second round. What? You don't think, you don't think well, he'll come back as an all American. I just think it would be pretty poor advice for him to come back. Like, He's already worked his way into this, like into the discussion. I don't know if he's locked in, like to the first round, like. like, But like, Divincenzo wasn't locked in until he had that run. I mean, if you're when you're a guy like like Harrow and you're just you're kind of a specialist, like a a good specialist, but sort of a specialist, and you start getting first round buzz, Mm -hmm. I think you kind of got to go because like you, you know, just three point shooting, you know, everyone has a down year when you have. You know, you could you could shoot a worse percentage next year just based on like bad luck, yeah. and all of a sudden people are like, "Oh, well, he's now he's a sophomore that only shot like thirty eight percent." Like, yeah, no, the the inverse of draft stock versus like production as you get older uh, yeah. is is an interesting one 
But he, I, I mean, in fairness to Harrow, he is more, he's not just like Lee Humphreys at Florida just running and gunning threes. Like, I think he's a 37-ish percent three-point shooter. Um, so he's not, he's not like a Kyle Korver. I think it's almost more like mini poor man's Devin Booker. Like mm-hmm. he can shoot off the dribble. He can get into the lane a little bit. Um, he's not just a specialist. Do you, um, do you like DeAndre Hunter as much as some people seem to? I like him a lot as a defender. I still kind of question <clears throat> what he's going to be offensively. I, I, I also think he looks bigger in person. Like when I, I would have guessed like watching Virginia play, I would be like, oh, that guy's probably what, six, nine ish. And like, they list him at six, seven. And to me, he's kind of kind of plays more like a power forward and he's you know firmly a wing in terms of size in the nba um so i do have some questions here like is there an nba player that he kind of reminds you of i mean in terms of body he's certainly ready and athleticism but i like i just really don't know what to expect from him offensively next year yeah i'm i'm not sure either i mean so much of it hinges on uh the defensive value translating when he gets into the nba if he's like just a like solid like solid wing defender then i think mm-hmm. it's going to be a bad pick he kind of has to be a you know like at least like jalen brown level yes. defender for that to be a good pick in the top 10 he kind of reminds me of a mix of jalen brown more more of that athleticism and you're probably gonna hate this but nigel hayes <laughs> is honestly who you're like watching him i'm like he his jump shot looks so much like nigel hayes's shot and obviously he's a much more athletic player but nigel hayes was a great college player i i think he's more jalen brown um but yeah I, I mean i've seen him as high as four in some mocks yeah. and I, I think that's you know that's fair i just i don't know if i would want to take him at four who do you like more out of him and jared culver i think culver like yeah. the all-around production like not many guys can do it he he the the comp that i wrote for him was karis levert who we never really got to see in full at college because he was always hurt um but you know for a guy who's six 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 seven can get 20 points can get set you know seven or eight rebounds three or four assists a couple steals like i, I think like that kind of all-around production uh, just seems to translate really well like he could be another probably a slightly better version of like McCall Bridges to me yeah I think I'd rather bet on Culver's offense yeah uh, than Hunter's defense mm-hmm. and I kind of like the guys that sort of come out of nowhere the way that he did because it's just it just you know shows you this guy a like put in the work to get better and you don't know like when is he going to stop getting better like because right. like hunter basically just sort of did kind of what everyone expected him to do this year mm-hmm. whereas culver like maybe there's another level still there that right. he taps into in the nba yeah well and the thing with hunter too like evaluating virginia guys is just tough <clears throat> like he we, we really don't know what to expect in a real offense and like you, you almost have to prorate his averages to like this you know a standard system you like the the malcolm brogdon um like pre-draft scouting report versus the Malcolm yeah. Brogdon now like what he's good at what he's bad at it's just like you would have never been like oh this guy's going to be an awesome straight line driver yeah. who's just like eh, okay on defense no. like <laughs> no it, it really is I mean it's night and day when those guys get out of that system uh, I had Trey Jones on my list as well don't need to talk too much about him I mean it it really is shocking I, I compared him in in Tyus Jones and, you know I'm a Tyus Jones stan yeah well so are you a Trey Jones stan I mean like the, the the similarities in terms of output are kind of crazy I think I could I could uh you know part of what won me over with Tyus was just his uh the way that he stepped up uh in that tournament run and no memory of that <laughs> uh if you know if Trey does something similar where you know clearly not one of the two best players on his team or two best well I guess maybe he was in college Tyus might have been as good or better than Justice Winslow but just in terms of like pro prospects uh clearly the third distant third in terms of pro prospects but he like carried that team right uh I don't envision Trey Jones doing that because I don't think there will be a need for him to do that uh with those other guys being so Mm -hmm. ball dominant but um you know he could have some just really impressive defensive plays that spark things for them and and maybe win them a game that they they really need and that could that could vault him it wouldn't be surprising at all if trey jones gets into like that mid-teens yeah. range with a with a good tournament i mean he's still most mocks you'll see him in the mid-20s mid to late 20s which i, I didn't actually didn't realize this he's only shooting like 24 percent from three so that's the big difference like tyus was close to 40 percent and obviously got a lot of good looks um but you know he kind of reminds me more he kind of reminds me a little bit of like a cory joseph sure um where you just you kind of hope that he's a really really solid backup mm-hmm. point guard yeah you know, i mean i think if he has the career that tyus jones has had so far that's 
probably fine. I mean, are you a little dis- little disappointed? Uh, I just think Tyus Jones has gotten got the super jobbed by his situation. Like, I think that he's been deserving of. I mean, the whole Thibodeau thing was yep. just a mess for him, and um, I think he's a capable, like, low end starter in the NBA, and just has never really been given that. The shot. fact that he has never been the starting point guard for the Orlando Magic makes no sense. He should be <laughs> in his second year as the full time starter in Orlando. Yeah, I mean, I I would think they could have gotten him back when uh, a certain guy was pulling the the strings for, for the team. I mean, they go even when Rose and Teague are hurt, like they go out of their way to only play Tyus Jones like eighteen minutes. How, how many uh, games does Cam Reddish have to have where he averages, where he like puts up like six, two, and zero <laughs> okay, for was, you to like yeah, worry was, about him as a top five pick? I was just gonna say we, uh, you know, we w- want to hurry up a little bit here, but I did want to talk about Reddish, like. I mean, you won't see him listed lower than five or six. He has been objectively like really, really bad for about 75 to 80% of Duke season for a guy who coming in was billed as a mix of like Paul George and Tracy McGrady, but he can shoot the lights out. He's shooting like 33% from three or from the field. He's like 30% from beyond the arc. Like that's, that's the biggest concern for me is not that, you know, he gets lost in the shuffle. Like I I think it's really hard to play with RJ Barrett and Zion Williamson and be the third guy. His, his style of play offensively is kind of my style of play at like pickup hoops where I just kind of, yes. I just kind of roam around the three point line. Like if I get an open look, I'll, I'll shoot it. Uh, happy to just pass it and like stay out of everyone's way, you know, and like that's, that's his style of play on yeah. offense. It's, it's really in fairness to him. He does, he gets kind of pigeonholed into some bad shots, like end of, end of shot clock. Mm-hmm. Like he's kind of seems to always be the guy who's launching up a pull up three, but he also, I think those are the shots that he wants. You know, he kind of has like a little J.R. Smith. To it's him sort of weird regard. to me that he's kind of, uh, seen as this top five pick and everyone's like worried as, you know, about Nas little, like yeah. they kind of both have been right. similarly busty, but just I, I don't know. Like I don't know if we can say busty on this podcast. <laughs> no, those those are the two I compared in, in that article was they've been they've both been really disappointing, but for drastically different reasons. Like Nas Little has not started a game and he's been unable to really break into the rotation, you know, for more than mm-hmm. fifteen minutes a game. Cam Reddish is averaging like thirty four minutes a game and he's just not been good. Like which is worse, you know, not being able to get in the rotation and prove that you're bad, or playing so many minutes that you're always on the court, you're always on you know, you're Scouts get to see you alongside all these other great Duke players, but you're not playing that well. And it, for some reason, it seems to have affected Little more than it's affected Reddish. Do you think? Uh, how would you compare their motors? Like, because uh, Little's motor is much better, right? Right. Like, I think that. Would, and but how would you compare their like basketball IQs? You'd probably give like Comable. Reddish the red. I, I mean, I haven't, I really haven't seen much from Reddish that I've loved, but I also. Like the jury's kind of still out. I think he's just in a weird situation. Being he's kind of like the Kevin Love or Chris Bosh of this Duke team, and it just it. I, I think mean, it's, these guys. So like, compare what like freshman Josh Jackson did. Like he was very productive. Don't you dare put that on him. He was very, very productive for a really good team. Like he was like a number one option at times on a. I think they were a one seed that year, but like then he just completely busts, and then these guys are just like similar like athletic like Mm -hmm. you you can dream on that like potential on the wing and they're not even close to as productive as josh jackson was and i i don't know i think that there's just so many red flags with those guys that maybe they pan out uh maybe they help themselves in the tournament but um you could totally see duke winning the title and reddish scoring uh fewer than 10 points in every single game of that run (laughs) Or, or you could see him having having those games all the way there, and then scoring like twenty eight in the title game and being the number three overall pick. Well, I'm hoping one cool way that this could end is like Nas Little does a uh, sort of Divincenzo in the title game, That'd be awesome. and like comes off the bench. Or no, it would be it would be a Grayson Allen in the title yes. game where he just like saves the day, and like well, everyone else yeah. is kind of fumbling it away. Again, I don't don't remember that at all. But <laughs> yeah, that would it would actually be great if Roy Williams was just saving him for the tournament yeah. and had just Secret been beating him down all season to game. just kind of sick him on on the NCAA field. Um, the the FanDuel Sportsbook, FanDuel, of course, the presenting sponsor of the Rotowire podcast, um, has <clears throat> Zion Williamson at minus sixteen fifty to be the number one pick. Uh, that's an overwhelming number. I think you you have to bet if you bet like a hundred dollars, that nets you something like six dollars. So not a lot of money to be made there. Morant and Baird are both at six fifty. Reddish is at fourteen hundred. 
Uh, Darius Garland has the fifth highest odds to go number one at 1700 not someone we'll be seeing in the tournament uh he got hurt after what like seven games i think at vanderbilt is there any reason though not to make that zion bet it's just a dumb bet because well it's a i'm surprised it's on the board at all like right. what what the heck would have to have like he would it would well, have to be thing. something like legal like off the well, court like or he has like a I catastrophic think he could, kevin I, Ware injury but, but i think he could have torn his uh acl on that play where his shoe yeah. broke and still got number one overall. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it, w- it would have to be the catastrophic of all catastrophic injuries. Yeah, like a car crash right. where he gets, like, paralyzed. Like, yeah, I don't, I mean, exactly. Like, that's that's why you don't make the bet because there's not enough. You never know, right? Yeah, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we kind of – I guess I had thought that this would end up being maybe more of a race between him and Barrett for the number one pick. Cause, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, well, I always, you know, every year it, it – you know, it looks like it's Okafor and then Towns comes charging in the second half. It looks like it's Ben Simmons, 100%, no doubt, and then Brandon Ingram at least made it a conversation. Like, you know, R.J. Barrett's a first-team All-American. He's, you know, a ACC leading scorer. He's, you know, the, one of the best all-around players we've seen in recent memory, and it's still a distant two, and he might not even go number two. Yeah, and I think it's – I honestly think it's on both of those guys. Like, yeah. I think I think – Obviously, a ton of it has to do with just how amazing Zion's been. But I think R.J. Barrett, he's been really, really productive as a scorer. But I think for him to have kept pace with Zion, he would have had to really impress people with Mm -hmm. his vision and playmaking ability. And he just kind of never really did that. Like, Which is weird because the assist numbers are good. But, yeah, I agree with you that he doesn't – you want to draft him like and just have him be this guy that isn't going to be always looking for his own shot necessarily and mm-hmm. he just really hasn't shown that that's something he's going to thrive at in the NBA which is fine like he I would still say RJ Barrett probably makes at least one all-star team right. in the NBA I just don't think he's shown that sort of like he you would have to envision him him as like a kind of almost a true point guard yeah. I think for him to have kept pace with Zion do you think he's more, and I don't even know if this is fair to him, like more Zach Levine than James Harden then at the next level? Where it's like the talent is undeniable. He can he can give you a 45-10-5 game, but you know when, when Harden does it, it's more impactful than when Levine does it for, for obvious reasons if you're watching the game. Yeah, I think that that, I think that that's, I mean, it's, man, it's so tough with Barrett because it can't be understated just how rare it is for a freshman to be this type of dominant scorer right in the ACC uh and yeah it does it does feel like but a there really are like, disappointing it's kind of you know you wish he was a little bit better shooter a little bit yep. better passer a little bit like more willing defender like there's just all these little parts of his games yep. that you that you wish were better yeah i will the shooting has improved which is nice um but yeah it 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 weirdly feels like he's been dominant but still slightly disappointing in certain ways I've said this before. It does. This does remind me of the 2016 draft, the Simmons Ingram draft, where you had a a top two and then a very clear drop. Although I think this year it's probably, you know, a clear one, uh, a small-ish drop from one to two and three, and then a bigger drop from three to you know four through ten. Um, but I, I think it could also end up looking similar in hindsight, where you look at that 2016 draft and if if you sort it by value over replacement, you know, the the top ten by where they were drafted, the top ten in VORP are one. 27 9 36 6 11 7 29 20 and 12 so obviously you have simmons at one um but then you know you might get the second best player in that draft in the 20s um I, although i will say I, I can't imagine that one of morant and barrett if not both are are kind of perennial all-stars in the next four or five years yeah i think that obviously there's a lot of horrible situations in the nba right now that you wouldn't mm-hmm. want to have either of those guys end up in um but yeah, I think whichever guy does not go to the Cavs will have a pretty yes. good career. All right, last thing, current MVP order. Giannis is now the favorite in the FanDuel Sportsbook. He's at minus 210, Harden plus 140, PG plus 950. Um, are you soundly in favor of Giannis at this point? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I think he's got it locked up. Like, I think that, that betting on Giannis right now yep. is a really good bet. Uh, because just the narrative is just so mm-hmm. strong for him. Yeah. Um, I do think his, I do think he's getting a little too much credit for this swing from last year to this year in terms of the success. Like I, I think that he's been 
a little bit better than he was last year, but not a ton Careful. better. Whereas, <laughs> whereas just like people are yeah. underrating the season yeah. Brooke Lopez is having. People <clears throat> are, I mean, Ursan, yeah, Budenholzer is going to win Coach of the Year, so people aren't really underrating him. But I think yeah. that just that mm-hmm. was a big part of the the gap in the wins. So I think he's he's deserving, yeah. maybe not as deserving as some people think he is. Yeah. Well, I think Houston's been better, so the gap between their you know Houston's wins and the Bucks wins won't be as big as I maybe thought. But since since Harden's thirty plus point streak ended. His, his per-game averages have still been good, right around 33 a game, but 40% from the field, 27% from three. So like I, like I said back then, I think he needed to keep up that pace or at least be close mm-hmm. to to kind of surmount Giannis, and you know I don't really see him over these last 10 games or whatever doing anything to change that. All right, you have steak baseball draft tonight. Yes, Is that right? that's one of my favorite nights of the year. It's going to be a good time. All right, well, enjoy it. Go Gophs. Go, go Murray Gophs. State. Go Gophs. Go Badgers. Uh, we'll be back next week. is in the air at Littleton Coin Company and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.